We're in the fourth and last week of our series on difficult doctrines. We started out with the cheerful, easy topics of sin and hell. And then we moved last week to the somewhat more nuanced question of forgiveness. Sounds nice until we try to do it. This week, we're kind of taking that same question a step further. Does God really love everybody? And do I have to, too? To get at that, I want to use the story of Jonah that I began with the kids. We know the part where God calls Jonah one way and Jonah goes the other. But what we don't always tell is who God was calling Jonah to. God was calling Jonah to the city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was an Assyrian city. And the Assyrians had invaded and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, along with all the genocidal actions that would come with. The story of Jonah is told much later than that invasion, but the memory is still strong. The Assyrians are the enemy. They are the worst. They killed our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. But God, for some inscrutable reason, says to Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, nope. Nineveh is to the east, so Jonah immediately gets on a boat going west. Then there's that huge storm And Jonah pipes up and says, it's probably my fault. Throw me overboard. Jonah would rather die than go to Nineveh. So they throw him overboard. And God provides a great fish. And the verb in the text is provides, which is interesting to me. God provides this great fish. It's kind of like a divine timeout. When the fish spits him out again, God says, go to Nineveh. This time Jonah says, fine. He goes to Nineveh and he walks through the city shouting, repent or be destroyed. And they do. They repent immediately. From the lowest peasant all the way to the king, they even put mourning clothes on the cows. Immediately, Jonah is the most successful prophet in the Bible. No Israelite prophet ever went to the Israelites and had immediate results from everybody they spoke to. But Jonah did. And so God forgives them. Just like that. And that's where we pick up today in Jonah chapter 4. But this was very displeasing to Jonah. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish 
at the beginning. For I knew you were a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from punishment. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down to the east of the city and made a booth, that's a shelter, for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord God appointed a bush to come up over Jonah, to give shade over his head, to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. And when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush, so it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor, which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and it perished in a night. Should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals. The end. Jonah is so mad, he would rather die. He's mad because God is forgiving and full of steadfast love. All those attributes we like to praise about God, they make Jonah mad. I knew you were a big softy. I knew you'd forgive them and love them. You are the worst. And I get where Jonah's coming from. Take a minute. Think about the people who absolutely deserve to get what's coming to them. Think about the people who abuse power, deliberately use the power they have to harm others. The people who raise the price of insulin. The social media executives who profit off of our privacy. The prosecutors who will secure a conviction at any cost even when they know the person's innocent. Jonah's story claims that all they have to do is say, sorry, and God wipes the slate clean. They are forgiven. They are loved. It's enraging. Jonah is mad about this. 
Jonah's so mad about God's love that he would rather die than deal with it. God really is abounding in steadfast love. God noticed those cows wearing sackcloth and had compassion on them. And those 120,000 people who were so ignorant, they didn't even know their left hand from their right. Even though they were Assyrians. Even though they were the worst. This is what it means to say that God is merciful. It means that God's preference, God's inclination, God's habit is to be merciful to all of us. To have mercy on cows and ignorant, violent people like the Assyrians and stubborn, angry people like Jonah. It means that God, the holiness at the heart of things, looks at us with mercy all our shortcomings, all our failures. And it means God looks at the people we despise with mercy too. God cared about Jonah and the Assyrians and the cows and the shrub and the worm and the big fish. God's mercy is as vast as the sea, whether we like it or not. If any of us are children of God, holy and beloved, then all of us are. And it means that we who are made in the image of God are made to be merciful too. And in case we might miss that point, Jesus underlines it and says, love your enemies, pray for them. And I'm pretty sure he didn't mean pray for them the way I like to, which is, God, please show them how wrong they are. Not only is God deeply concerned with our enemy's humanity, and ready to forgive immediately. Jesus says we're supposed to love them. Period. That kind of love will mess us up. It breaks down our binaries. It breaks down our sense of righteousness and judgment. Our desire for them to get what's coming to them, whoever them might be, this week. It's not easy. Not by a long shot. I also think it's probably the way to life. Jesus is always working to save us, to heal us, to set us free. Jonah ends the story self-righteously angry and alone. 
He's miserable. But as Elizabeth reminded us, Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden light. Booker T. Washington, who certainly had reason to judge people who did harm, said, I will permit no one to narrow and degrade my soul by making me hate them. And that's the thing. Our hatred narrows our own souls. It's a burden we have to carry around, and it can get awfully heavy. I hear God saying to Jonah, why don't you try compassion? It might be lighter. I hear Jesus calling us into a way of life. It's not narrow. It's broad. It's God's love. It's challenging. It challenges my limits. The limits of our love. And here's the good news. Even when we can't manage it, God does. God loves each of us and all of us. God is truly merciful and abounding in steadfast love, gracious, always ready to relent. For that, thanks be to God. Amen.